Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. title of my message this morning is Hidden Treasure. Who likes hidden treasure? Who likes, whoever has looked for hidden treasure? Actually, this morning, um, someone was talking to me about watching the Antique Roadshow. Anyone ever watch it? To be honest, I don't. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're looking for hidden treasure. It's, it's trying to find this object, this uh, thing that might be worth the treasure that's going to pay off the mortgage. And that person this morning said to me, maybe, I'm sure there's something in my house that's worth some amazing amount of money. I just haven't found it yet. Um, you know, Rochelle and I, one of our favourite movies is about hidden treasure and they go tra- hunting this treasure. And it's a, oh, just an awesome, fun movie. Um, but uh, I wonder too if you've ever gone looking for treasure and thinking something is going to give you treasure but found out it was not treasure at all. It was rotten and stinky. <laughs> well, maybe, I think, trying to find hidden treasure. You know those, those claw machines, like in the arcade games, with those big boxes with the claw, and they have all the cool prizes and the teddies and the things that make kids go, Dad, can I have $2? And another $2? And another $2? It's like, I think if trying to find hidden treasure is a little bit like the claw. It's like you, you put your money in and, and you go across and you try and grab the thing and it drops down and it grabs the, th- the thing and then it, oh, it slips off. Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> Not. And then finally it picks up the thing one day and it, it, like, it picks it up and it carries it across and, and you've almost got it and then, dunk, oh, it slipped out. What a surprise. Anyone ever done, has anyone ever tr- played the, the, the claw game? There's about... Oh, there's, there's a few of you. Yeah, there's, actually, there's a few. Oh, there's a few confessions here. I think. <laughs> you know, treasure can be elusive, and you know those game things. I think you know what we'd be better off to go down the street, pay the thirty dollars, and buy the teddy for our kids if we really want to get the teddy for them. Maybe there's a, a, there's a point behind that to pay the price. Don't just try and take the shortcuts. The title of my message this morning is Hidden Treasure, as we continue to look at the book of Joshua this morning. And uh, last week, Josh was super excited to speak about Josh, you are. Love that music. It was unexpected again. (laughs) Josh was talking about Joshua last week. That was to wake you up if you were feeling a bit sleepy this morning. And uh, he was talking about how after the people had come across the Jordan and they've entered the Promised Land, they, they observed the Passover, they circumcised all the guys that weren't. We'll skim over that bit really quickly. They, they rest, they recover, and then they go into battle, don't they? And they march in silence for six days, once a day, around the city of Jericho. And on the seventh day, seven times they marched around the city. It was the strangest battle plan in the history of humanity. And then on the seventh day, when they let out the, 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 the shofar and the, 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 the ram's horns and, and they shout, and then the walls came crumbling down. Because God doesn't work in our wisdom. God's wisdom is way different to ours. And they, they conquer the city of Jericho. 
And there's this awesome moment. And we open up our Bibles to chapter 7 of Joshua this morning. If you've got it there, I encourage you to open up. Actually, let's just read the last verse of chapter 6 in verse 27. It says this, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. Now let's just pause there for a moment. The Lord was with Joshua, and his reputation spread throughout the land. This is a beautiful moment. This is a moment where we see the people of Israel being what God wanted them to be. He wanted them to be for His glory, that people, other nations might come to know that the God of Israel is the true and living God, that they might see His power and, and worship Him, that they might turn away from their gods and come and discover who the true God is. God wanted His people to do that for the nations around them. And here we see they've done it, they've obeyed, they've seen the walls come down from Jericho and God's fame is spreading throughout the nations. Then we go to the next chapter and it says this, But, don't you hate that? You, f- you finish this chapter and it's awesome, it's amazing, and the very next word is, But... Maybe you've had a year of your life like that. Maybe you've had a season of your life and everything's been awesome and then there's a but. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan has stolen some of the things, uh, stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan, if you're trying to remember his name, he made the whole of Israel's heart. They were Achan in their heart because of what Achan did. Achan, sorry. Achan was the son of Carmi, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent, some, this is just completely segueing across, it says, Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near Beth-Avon. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need, for us to go up, no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. Do you notice the amount of prayer they've put into this? The amount of how they've sought God and said, God, what do you say about this? They go, no, we've defeated Jericho by marching around it. Two or 3,000, we'll be right. Let's go. Do you see the arrogance? Let's be quick to catch the arrogance in our own lives. Amen? So it says approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Now, if you've been with us through the rest of the series, you'll know that that, that phrasing there has been repeated right through the book of Joshua. Every other time, though, it's been about the other nations, those that are paralyzed with fear because they're seeing the power of God and what God is doing in His people. Their, their courage is melting away. But now, it's the people of Israel whose courage is melting away. They're paralyzed with fear. It says in verse 6, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. 
Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're only going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Again, do you see the parallel? The the people of Israel have come out of Egypt and they think they're going to get wiped out by the Egyptian army. And they said, if only we'd stayed in Egypt, things would have been better off for us. And then they pass through the the Red Sea. God delivers them from the people of Egypt. And then they think they're going to starve. And they say, if only we'd stayed in Egypt again. And they're like, God's saying, did you not see what I've done? And then as we've sung about this morning, the, the manna on the ground and the honey and the rock. And God provided for them in the wilderness. And time and time again, they say, but if only we'd stayed away. I wonder how often you've been following God. You've been doing what he says, but you have an if only moment. And you get discouraged. You go, oh, if only I'd just not done this. If I hadn't stepped out, this would have been so much easier. But it was God's plan for them to be there. I've got quite a few points this morning. (laughs) I'm going to move through them quickly. But I encourage you to maybe write them down as we go. If you've got a pen and paper... Point number one this morning, prayer is a deeply human response. We are created in the image of God. We are created to be in relationship with our God. He created us with a yearning, with a longing to know Him and to to be in relationship with Him. You know, God breathed into humanity. He breathed His Spirit into us to make us living beings, his spirit, his pneuma, his ruah. I've been reading a book on prayer just recently um, by Tim Keller, and he he quotes a guy from the 1500s called George Herbert, who said this, slightly reworded, so it's a little bit easier to read. Prayer is humanity returning its breath to the one who gave birth to its breath. Let me say it again. Prayer is humanity returning its breath to the one who gave birth birth to it you know every breath we take every heartbeat we have it is a gift from God I know that we are encouraged in the New Testament to pray without ceasing you know every breath I take I want it to be a a, my life to be a a prayer of thanksgiving and, and an act of worship to God we are created for prayer point number two we are called to pray Jesus said about the temple, my, my, my temple is, is to be a house of prayer. And now we are the temple of the Spirit of God. We are called to be His temple. And we are called to be a people who pray. As His church, we are called to pray. That's awesome. That's, that's, a, that's a privilege, not an obligation. We, are, we, are, we have the privilege of doing life with God and having a relationship with Him, talking to Him about what we're going through. Point number three, I told you we we're going to go quickly. Prayer often starts in feelings of anger, sadness, apathy, rejection, anxiety, stress, bitterness, resentment. You fill in the blank. Prayer often starts in those places. If we wait till that moment where we feel like praying and we're just like, oh, everything's awesome, I want to pray, you mightn't pray very often. And if you're in that place of feeling angry or sad or bitter or whatever it is, let's not let those things be barriers to us in coming to God in prayer. Because so often, prayer starts in that place. God wants us to come to Him with those things. And in moments where I've 
been angry or upset or discouraged. I love opening up to the Psalms and reading through one of the Psalms that just, just reflects that feeling I have in that moment and just being encouraged that, you know what, David prayed this prayer and God, I'm praying it too. I'm angry. I'm, 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 I'm upset. And God wants us to come to Him honestly and just pour it out. Because you know what, point number four, continued prayer leads to overcoming, illumination and deliverance. As we continue in prayer, even as we read in the Psalms of how David and the other Psalmists pour out their heart before God and they're, they're angry, they're sad, they're upset and they pour it all out. And as, and as I pour it out in my own life and I, I talk to God, there's, there's this maybe reluctance at the start and it's like, okay, let's let it rip. And then you kind of run out of energy and go, okay, God, but what do you say? What are you saying here? And it leads to overcoming. Suddenly it's not about what I think, it's God, what do you say? And God illuminates the path before us. The Lord is my light and my salvation. If the Lord is for me, why should I be afraid? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He illuminates things in our lives and he delivers us from those things. Maybe the situation doesn't even change, but God is able as we continue in prayer. Don't give up. Continue in prayer and God will lead you through. I love Psalm 30. It was a song we sang when I went to Vanuatu in 2004. Uh, you turned my morning into dancing. You know, that old funky classic. That was great. Let's keep reading from Joshua chapter 7 and, and see what happens as Joshua continues just to pour his heart out before God. In verse 8, he says this, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe, out, wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what, what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, now I think you've got to hear this like God is speaking with a little bit of attitude. I don't, does God have attitude? I, don't, it's like, I think it's some, there's, some, there's some grit to what God is saying to Joshua here. He says, Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart from me. And they have not only stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are now are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. The people of God, God's chosen people, hear that. For Israel, now Israel itself has been set apart for, dest for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless... Don't you love that there's an unless? Unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Get up. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. I want you to hear that statement. That is God's call to mercy and grace. He says, get up, tell the people, prepare yourselves. He's giving an opportunity. There is a window given here for God to say, tell the people to get yourselves right. Well, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. 
Hidden among you, O Israel, are the things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. And we're not going to look into detail at what the consequence of the sin is, but here God is giving an opportunity, saying, turn away from this stuff. Church, point number five, God sees the hidden things. Achan had stolen these things that were set apart for destruction and he hid them under his tent. He covers them up. He tries to hide them away. Church, God sees the hidden things. In prayer, God reveals the, the reason for their defeat to Joshua. You know what? I think Achan probably thinks, what, what's, what's this going to hurt anybody? It's like, this, this is really shiny. This is, this is really cool. This shouldn't be wasted. This shouldn't be burned. It's like, oh, I think no one's going to know. It's not going to hurt anyone. I'm just going to have this thing. I think it's okay. Like, no one's going to know. You know, sin always seems good in the moment. And here we see that all Israel is affected by Achan's sin. Point number six, church, there is no private sin. There is no private sin that does not affect anyone else. Have a listen to what it says in Luke chapter 8, verse 17. It says, For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Daniel 2.22 says this, He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. And actually, we'll skip over the mark one. I just want to read Hebrews 4.13. You don't have it there, guys, but uh, Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. In Mark 4, it goes on and talks about how everything is hidden will be brought to light. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a a farmer scattering seeds. It talks about how who who can know how that seed bursts through the ground and, and starts to shoot and grow. But whatever is planted grows. And church, our our lives are like seed factories. Whatever we allow to settle in our life grows. If we allow sin to settle in our life, it grows. Maybe it's just some little thing. You're like, oh, that's, that's just a little bit of a, that doesn't really matter. Like, God doesn't care about that. If you harden your heart and allow that thing to settle in your life, it grows. It, it takes root and it, it spreads. Like a cancer sin, it, it just brings destruction. And if you do it and your per- the neighbor beside you sees to doing it and you think, oh, it's all right, it's not so bad. He's getting away with it. Probably doesn't matter if I do that. Sin is like a cancer. That's why in the New Testament, the Bible says if, if anyone is continuing in unrepentant sin and refuses to repent of that thing when they're confronted by the elders of the church, you are to put them out of the church because it is like a cancer and it will rot and destroy his church. 
Jesus is returning for a pure, spotless bride whose heart is not divided. What seed are you producing? What seed are we producing in our lives? You know, I think Achan probably actually thought, you know what, I know it's not right, but hey, I'm just going to hide this away. I'm going to keep it buried. No one's even going to know about it. It's just, just this little thing. It's not that big a deal. And you know what? In 10, 20 years' time, everyone's going to have forgotten about it. I can bring it out. I can sell this stuff. And actually, you know what? This is going to be a blessing to my family. This isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. I'm going to do this. I'm kind of copping the guilt right now. But in the future, this is going to be a blessing to my family because I'm going to sell it. And we're going to make money. And my, my family's going to have a blessing and an inheritance because I've done this even though I know it's probably not really right. I just wonder if maybe that's what Achan was thinking. But church, point number eight, dishonest gain always equals destruction. You can do something with perceived great motives by everything else, but if your heart is wrong, it is not right. Dishonest gain equals destruction. If we do something in rebellion, it will not be blessed. Proverbs. I've been reading a bit of Proverbs lately. Ezekiel, prophet, speaking to Israel, says, Do not think you can fool God. Do not think for a moment. He's speaking to Israel. He says, If you go on doing these things, you are headed for destruction. You might think you're the people of God, but if you continue in these things, you will face judgment. And we are no, no different. What a contrast what Achan hides under his tent, his hidden treasure, with what it says in the Psalms. I'm going to turn across to Psalm 119. I love Psalm 119. A mate of mine, when we were just finished year 12, we went to, down to the beach and we were camping somewhere and we just spent some time looking through Psalm 119. You know what? I, I still remember that scripture just so blessing my life as we just read through it together down by the beach. I encourage you, just consume the Word of God. It is a blessing to your life. Psalm 119 says this. Listen to the contrast to Achan's heart. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey His laws and search for Him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil. They walk only in His paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Is that your prayer today? That's my prayer. Oh, Lord, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. I want to say, church, I, I, I trip up. We, we all sin. We all mess up at times, but don't give up because, you know, God won't give up on you. Verse 9, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I've tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. And hear this, verse 11. I have hidden the treasure, the, the stolen things. No, I have hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I love that scripture, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, as you go to work, as you go through life, you know, if we've hidden the word of God in our hearts, we go to work and someone says, oh, you're useless, you've mucked it up again. You know, the, the word of God hidden within your heart says, no, you were bought with a price and you are loved by God. You are created with a purpose and I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Let's hide the word of God in our heart. Let's treasure his word in our heart. Not hiding sin, but hiding the word of God that wherever we go, there's, there's these seeds of truth that are within us that bring life to us. When we mess up, when we do the wrong thing, we go, oh God, I've done it again. God, what's wrong with me? That, that we remember the word of God that says, even though we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. That he will not turn anyone away who comes to him. Let's hide the word of God within our hearts, church. I completely lost my place in my notes. Thank you, Jesus. What are you hiding? What are you hiding? Is it the word of God in your heart? Or is it something else that you're kind of holding and hiding and knowing you probably shouldn't be holding? Point number nine, God knows what is hidden in our heart. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And church, the big issue here is not, oh no, you're about to get busted because you already have been. God already knows. It's not like, you know, those moments when your parents come to you and, you, and you, they ask who took it and you're thinking, do they already know or do they not know? And can I hide it a little bit longer? It's like, is it no? Is it just no? Is a few of you not? Yeah, okay. God already knows your sin. He knows what you're, you're, you're attempting to hide from someone else, from him, from whatever. That's not the big issue here. The big issue is that sin destroys our fellowship with him. Sin destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationships with one another. Sin is horrible. Sin is not just stuff that God doesn't want us to have. Sin is things that destroys our lives. And, you know, in our relationships, you know, Rochelle and I just had a, a, a night away. It was fantastic. We planned in time just to be alone together. <sighs> and it was grand. It was amazing. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. But, you know, we have to guard and, and protect our intimacy with one another in our marriages and our relationships. And in our relationship with God, you know, sin separates, it divides. And if we hurt one another in our, in our relationships with one another, if we hurt one another, if we refuse to forgive or if we hold a grudge against that person, it destroys relationships. The title of our series is not Be Strong and Courageous. I pointed out the very first week, we're not calling the series this because it's not about you. The title of our series is Be With God. Be with Him. Trust in Him. Go in His strength. Listen to Him. Don't be like the people of Israel who just go and go, yeah, we can do this. We don't need God. We'll just go and do it like we did before. Trust in Him. Be with God. Just as God dwelled with Adam and Eve in the garden, God wants to dwell with you. You can have intimacy with God through this life. You don't have to wait for heaven 
You don't have to wait for eternity. You can do life with God today. How beautiful it is, those moments where we just know God's presence. And the seasons in our lives when we seem to go through times and we feel like God is so far away. And there's sometimes, I think, seasons where God just allows that to happen in our lives. But God wants you to know that He dwells with you. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? They hid. They tried to cover their shame. Just as Achan tried to cover his shame and hide his treasure. Church, point number 12, that's my final one. We can't hide from God and enjoy fellowship and intimacy with Him at the same time. We cannot continue in sin. We cannot continue doing anything and trying to hide this thing from God and enjoy fellowship and intimacy and the beauty of oneness with God when we are holding other things in our lap that we should not have. This morning we could look at how Joshua decided to attack Ai without taking any time to pray. But the hard issue here is, what is your treasure? What is your treasure? Now, if we think sin is somehow helping us find joy, if we think sin is somehow helping us in our lives, there is a deeper deception in our heart that we are missing. Because let's be honest, when we sin, there's, there's something in us that thinks, hey, this is, this is, this is okay, this is, this, is, this is good. Adam and Eve in the garden, they looked at the fruit and they said, this, it seems good to me. And they took that fruit. But church, if we think sin is somehow good and pleasing and helpful for us, there is something deeper in our heart that is seriously wrong. And in that moment, when you know you're wrestling, say, God, reveal my heart to me. God, help me see what your, the truth is here. When in that moment you're, you're tempted and, and you're struggling and you're saying, God, what do I do? I, I want to say this to that person, but I know I shouldn't. Say, God, reveal my heart to me. Help me know what it is you say about this. Thank you, Lord. Who is Lord? Probably heard the saying, and I think it sounds corny, but it's true. He's either Lord of all or he's not at all. Is Jesus Lord of all your life? Because if he's not Lord of all your life, you're trying to take control and he's not at all. You know, a few weeks ago, we had Pastor Jay Reynolds here and he talked about us, to us and reminded us about the days of Noah, that we are living in the days of Noah and people will go on partying and doing all the things they do in this life and in this world and it'll be just like that up until the day when Jesus comes back and they'll think, ah, oh, what's it matter? Don't follow in that way. Come to him, confess it, come to the cross and say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I want to surrender these things, take these things, let these things be dead. Help me live for your glory and for you. I'm going to ask the band to come and as I read one last scripture. Actually, I don't know if I've got it up there, guys. If you want to find Psalm 32. Psalm 32.
Now, it's really interesting, uh, through the week, I've, I've known what I'm preaching on here for a couple of weeks, and I've been excited to preach on it. And I got home last night, and uh, I was just looking through my notes, and I go, God, I feel like this is much heavier than I was thinking. But you know, I don't want this to be a heavy word. I want it to be an exciting word. That God has a future and a plan for you to be free from sin. Jesus came to break the chains that bound us. They are gone. They are broken. You have been bought with a price and Jesus' cross has still got its power. He hasn't lost his power. Have a listen to what it says in Psalm 32 and verse 1. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. You know, in, in our relationships with one another, in our, in our marriages, in our friendships, you know, the, the, the most beautiful relationships and, and friendships I've had is where we've just been a total honesty and, and openness just to be vulnerable. And it's beautiful. And God wants us as His church to be like that, to be open, to be vulnerable, to pray for one another. It says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. And it says this in verse 3, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. And I want to put up my hand and say, I've been there. <laughs> You know, in those moments where I try and do things in my own strength, when I try and do things and I get, I get anxious, I get overwhelmed because I think, God, I've got, I've got to do this. Hang on. God, if you called me to do this, I can trust you to lead me through. And then it becomes a joy. It's like, God, wow, how are you going to do this? <laughs> Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Maybe that's you today. Verse 5, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. How beautiful are those words. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, let all the godly pray. Let all... Sorry, let me say that again. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Oh, I could keep going, but Jesus has won the victory. Anyone who comes to Him can have life, new life, a fresh start. But don't put it off. Don't think, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Come to Him today. Pour out your heart and say, God, I am sorry. Confess it today. Get rid of that thing. Say, God, take that thing. Change my heart. Make me new. As the band leads us in this song, I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you want to just lift your hands and surrender. Maybe you want to bow down on your, on your knees and say, God, I am sorry. Maybe you want to come forward and have someone pray for you this morning. But do not let anything that God is pointing out in your life today, go undealt with. Maybe it happened this morning. Maybe it's been happening for weeks. Maybe it's been happening for years in your life. Confess that thing and say, God, take it from me. Remove that heart that wants that thing and make me new.
Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing about the goodness of God. What's that first line? I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. Let's come to Him right now. Let's stand and let's surrender. God, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. God, we thank you for your grace. And Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you would soften our hearts to hear what your Spirit is saying to us. Lord, that we would be free from those things that would hold us captive. Lord, from the enemy's traps that he wants to steal and kill and rob and, and deceive, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for us as your church, Lord, that you would wash us clean again this morning, Lord. Let this be a time of just pouring out our hearts, letting us be cleansed and washed and renewed. Lord, let nothing stick. Let it be gone in Jesus' name. We thank you for victory through the cross. We praise you and we worship you today. Thank you, Lord.